What's up, Daw Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to the third and final episode of Behind the Daw for this Halloween weekend. Now, if this is the first episode that you're listening to, you're like, wait, the third episode? Wait, what? What the heck is going on? Don't worry. Um, on Friday, which is October 29th, we started releasing these three episodes in conjunction with our launch for our newest course, which is called the Crywolf Masterclass. Now, don't worry. You don't have to go back and listen to the first episode and then the second one. You can listen to them in any order that you want to. Okay, so if this is the first episode that you listen to, finish this episode out and you can go over to the other ones after. But what is all this about the Cryo Masterclass? What does all this mean? Why? What the heck is going on? What's in this episode? Ah, so many questions. Don't worry. I got you. We'll answer all those episodes. Or... <laughs> We'll answer all those questions, okay? First off, what the heck is the Crywolf Masterclass? So the Crywolf Masterclass is something that me and Crywolf, which by the way, if you have not heard of Crywolf, where have you been? What have you been doing? He's an absolute legend inside of the music industry. And one of the things that he is specifically known for is his level of creativity and his consistency of creativity and his ability to snap into his creative flow state at will. He's known for this. He's famous for this. He's, he's, he's widely recognized for this. I don't know any other way to say that he is known for this. Anyways, so he has the ability to snap into his musical flow state at will. And I have begged him for years to share this with the world, to show people how to do that. And two years ago, he came to me. He's like, okay, dude, I'm ready. I'm like, what? You're ready? You're ready to finally tell people? He's like, yeah, dude, let's do this. Let's get the cameras on. Let's get it filming. Let's go, 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 go. And it took about a year for us to film. It took forever. And then it took another year for us to finish it, right? To, to not only finish editing, because it's freaking huge. It's like 30 hours long. But anyways, uh, to, for us to, to get it to edit it and then to have beta testers. And we had a bunch of our huge producer friends go through it to make sure that it was up to the quality and up to the standard that it needed to be. And there were so many people that came out the other side that was like, oh my gosh. This is amazing. So if you want to learn Crywolf's step-by-step -step system to unlimited musical creativity and learn how to make 30 songs in 30 days, I did not stutter. I did not mess up my words right there. I am serious. To learn how to make 30 songs in 30 days is ridiculous. It's so much music. Anyways, if, you're, if you want to do that, you want to learn Crywolf's system and check that out, then you can head on over to dawnation.net slash crywolf masterclass. So we are actually having a launch this weekend. You're actually on the final day. So if you're listening to this episode on the day this episode releases, you have one more day to hop on the Cryoff Masterclass for 40% off. We had this nice little Halloween sale, okay? Started on Friday, but this is the last day, okay? So you have until midnight tonight to join. All right, you can join the masterclass for 40% off and get seven extra bonuses. It's absolutely amazing. But if you're like, ah, I need some convincing, no worries. That is the purpose of this episode, okay? So in this specific episode, I took a snippet from module three inside of the masterclass. And module three is all about the production part of Crywolf's system, okay? What are the creative production systems and protocols and so on and so forth that he has? That is all covered inside of module three. But at the very end, I asked him some very good questions about, hey, like if you could go back in time and you were a brand new producer again, right? What would you tell yourself? What do you feel like producers nowadays are really, really struggling with? So on and so forth, right? And he had some amazing answers. And that is what we are going to be listening to today. So I go ahead and just, you know, slice those little segments out, brought them into Ableton. And now you are going to be able to listen to them right here, right now. So if you're listening to this and, and at any point, by the way, of this episode, when you listen to him talk and describe these different concepts, if something resonates with you, listen to that resonation. Okay. That means that there is something there that you need to learn. All right. And if that happens, I'm telling you, if, if, if this is blowing your mind, if this is really helping you out, the rest of the system, the rest of the masterclass is just going to shatter you in half. Okay. So again, if you really love this, 
you want to learn more, head on over to donnation.net slash crywolf masterclass. Okay. But with that being said, let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. And of course, I got some things to say after we listen to that little segment. So make sure to stay all the way to the end and then we can talk over there. Okay. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. What do you feel like is some of the biggest mistakes the producers nowadays are making? For a lot of people, I think they're getting their tutorials online. They're following the production advice of just most of the producers that they see. And then they're producing things exactly like that. Even though if they really thought about it, they're like, do I really want to have this really polished pop sound? Maybe not. I admit most of the music that I listen to is not super polished and pop. It actually has a lot of character to it. So anyway, long-winded way to say, I think one of, for me, one of the biggest mistakes is trying to make everything so pristine and perfect. I do believe that you should learn how to do that first. I learned how to, you know, produce things in this really nice way first and then was able to kind of dismantle that and do what I wanted to. I think you should you should know how. You got to know the rules before you break them. But staying just following those rules over and over again without thinking about them, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. When it comes to something like vocal doubling, putting tons of layers, they just they don't question whether that's done or not. They're like, that's the way that it's done. It doesn't sound nice unless it's like that. Um, things like maximizing until everything's just a big brick. Um, things like taking every single percussive element and trying to make it like right here in the mix. Or for that matter, trying to take every element in the mix and make it right here instead of having things giving things character and space and, and allowing for sort of this natural um, uniqueness that is special to only them to really shine through. So I think processing everything, just trying to trying to flatten it and, and push it as much as upfront uh, to your face as possible is a mistake. I think the loudness war in general is a mistake. I mean, I get I get it because I did it a lot. I wanted my tracks to be able to be played next to other DJs' tracks and sound comparably loud or louder. It does really take away from from the dynamics and your ability to express with music when you're trying to slam everything like that. Um, I would say another mistake that people make is using a lot of presets um, or using a lot of sounds that they've made from tutorials uh, unless they're really strange sounds. I just think like, I think if you're using the same, there's like this, this general sound palette that you hear a lot, whether it's in electronic music, whether it's in, you know, pop music, whatever it is, there's this, this palette that you hear. And so when you hear those sounds, you're like, oh yeah, that's one of the sounds people use for music. And if you're sticking with those, it's really hard for your music to have a unique soul to it. Whereas if you're making your own, a lot of times it will have that soul, even if those sounds don't sound quite as good as the other ones. Like a lot of people use presets and they use these pre-existing samples because their sounds don't sound as good. They don't sound as pristine, as big. But in reality, if you make your own sounds, it just, it doesn't matter that things sound as huge as possible nearly as much as producers think it does. 
Um, I think that that the the character and, and sort of unique qualities of a sound matter a lot more than most people think uh, it, they do. And so if you go with the route where you're making a lot of it, I think it will it will allow people to connect with your music way more, even if it doesn't necessarily sound amazing when you put it next to somebody else's track. Like I have that problem with my tracks. If you're listening to an entire album of mine, you're used to this particular frequency response. You're used to this sense of space. But if you hear one of those songs sometimes next to something that's like pop blasted, it can sound really weak and dead and dull mm. as far as the level, the like perceived loudness of it. You're listening to mine and it sounds like it's here. And then you listen to that one and it sounds like it's right here. And you're like, oh, that one sounds bad in comparison. Um, but nobody that's a fan of my music would be like, oh, yeah, Crywolf's music isn't nearly as good as this pop track because it's not as loud in comparison. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really matter. You could still use a lot. Like, I use those trap hats, you know, but in the context of other unique sounds, um, I think it's the same as when you're writing lyrics. I mean, you don't want to stick with the traditional classic ways that people have used to express things a million times because it just becomes noise to people. They've already heard it before. They want to hear something that, that makes them go, oh, what is that? Oh, yeah. that's interesting. What is this? What genre is this? Or, you know, how do I, wow, this is so different. So first, I want to comment on the first thing that you said, which is, I think to sum up the first concept that you said was that producers are not intentionally or intellectually producing, right? They're taught rules, they're taught concepts, whatever, and then they never question why those things are. Mm -hmm. right? They're taught, never put on a, never put a sub on a reverb, never do X, never do Y, always do X, always do Y, and that's, that's it. And then they're just like, these, these, these concepts, these techniques are hard-coded into their producer DNA, mm -hmm. and they never question them. And that's ultimately what's going to kill creativity, right? Because creativity comes from looking at something and being like, wait a second, what if we tweak this and did this, right? That's the kind of the first concept that you're talking about is like intentionally producing, thinking about like, how can I, what, why am I doing this? Why am I not doing this? Why am I following this rule? You know what I mean? Is that what yeah, you're saying? Or more just sort of eradicating those things from your mind, having them in the background, knowing that there is, and knowing the theory behind them, like why you would do something that way. Mm but not assuming that you're going to do it every single time. Like when we looked at the vocal processing chains, you know, <laughs> it's something that makes my production take a lot longer, but it's something that I'm really thankful for because I think it makes everything sound unique is that I'm not doing the same vocal processing chain every time. I'm like doing it from the ground. A lot of times I'm doing things from the ground up every time because I end up doing them differently based on what the mix needs. I'm not having the same vocal sound every time because it, it's going to sit with things completely differently. Um, I, yeah, I think that, that you just have to drop a lot of those rules that you thought were absolute rules. And, and it, the thing that, what that does is it gets you to start using your ears instead of using your, you know, just sort of your systematic minds to say, this is how you do this. This is how you do this. Instead, you're actually listening to it and going, I feel like it needs this. There are some things that, that I've done before that, that, took me 10, like, you know, five times as long as they should have because I kept running up in my mind against a rule, a hard rule. Like, I remember one time I really wanted to, I felt like this vocal, this vocal effect needed a boost of, like, 15 decibels at, at 9K or something. It was something in, like, just so obscene. Like, I would never go above a six decibel 
cut or boost for the most part for anything. And yet I just kept hearing, I was like, I just want more of that, I want more of that. But my mind wouldn't let me. So I kept just being like, eh, it just doesn't sound good, doesn't sound good. And then finally, when I was like, okay, you know what, I'm just gonna do whatever I need to do to make it sound good and turned it way up. And I was like, sure enough, that was exactly what it needed. But when I looked at it, it still hurt me as a producer. I was like, that should not be done. You know, I should never be boosting something that much. But it was what it needed. And uh, whenever I get out of the zone of listening to my ears, stuff starts taking way longer. It just doesn't seem to work as well. It doesn't seem like everything's gluing together and sounding really good. When I'm just listening to my ears, that's when I start just being able to flow in production. And when mix downs become really fun for me because I'm, I'm sitting there engaging with the material, really hearing what's going on and being able to mold and shape it versus going down these kind of path of these different equations for different things and then listening to the to the gestalt the the whole of the track and being like why why does this sound so bad i don't know i have no idea another thing i would say that people up a lot when it comes to production is not having a solid system in place um a solid schedule for your creativity the same, the same problem that a lot of songwriters fall into, which is just kind of waiting for inspiration. And I think that's where a lot of that feeling of, oh, I just don't know when it's done comes from. You're just kind of waiting for more inspiration to hit you. And you're just not really, you're just never really sure whether more is going to come, whether it's not. I think it's really important to have a schedule. Like when I'm writing for an album, I know how much time each period is going to take. Do I allow more time than that? Absolutely. Because in knowing how much time each period is going to take, I also know that it will take 30% longer than whatever I estimate yeah. it will take. So Minimum. I'm still allowing more time. But, but generally, it's like I will be in my inspiration period for two weeks to a month. I will be in my writing period for one month. I will be in my refinement period for one to three months depending on how complicated the album is. I'll be in the in the, in the mixing is kind of with the refinement, and then I'll be in the uh, listening to it once a week and making tiny tweaks to the masters for a month and a half or two months. Um, I know how long those things are going to take or how much time I'm allotting them to take. It's not as much that I know how much time they will take, it's that that's the amount of time that I'm setting aside for them to take. And I'm making all my plans to finish those in that time. So like when I'm doing a refinement period and I finally kind of get the, the layout of the album done, I have lists of every single tiny thing that needs to happen to get that track to a finished state. And I'm going through every single day and going through those things. And I'm laying that out in a way that it's going to get done in a realistic time period. And I'm not laying out, you know, uh, it, sometimes with certain tracks, it, it's not tweak the vocals in this, oh, take, take, you know, a decibel off of 2K for this vocal. It's more uh, spend one hour trying to come up with bridge idea. And, and then I, I do that. Oh, didn't come up with an idea. Cool. But I still did, I still did that, yeah. that to-do list item. And if I don't do that, then that spend one hour coming up with a bridge idea goes to the next week. And once I come there, okay, I'm going back to this track, I'm just going to blast write a bridge idea. Okay, nothing happened there. Cool. But you're just systematically going through and 
and breaking up what you need to do to be fully finished with the track. Whether those things are actual specific notes, like I said, like uh, add, you know, slightly more uh, stereo spread to this guitar, or whether it's more creative things like spend this amount of time coming up with ideas for this, you're still quantifying those things and allowing yourself to come up with realistic timelines. So I would say if you get to a roadblock with certain material, just set aside time to keep throwing yourself at it. Don't pressure yourself to actually get something finished in that time. Just say, spend an hour on this. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Cool, you did your duty. But continue throwing yourself at it. Don't let it just sit. Like when something just sits around and is not worked on, that's when it becomes this thing that it it just like it lasts for so long that you get so psyched out about it. You've heard it too many times. You can't think of what to do. Like, don't work quickly in the sense that you're overlooking things and not work and not creating as well as you can, but work reasonably quickly. Like at least continue applying yourself and continue trying to do something. And there have been a couple situations where I'll be like, is this track done? Is this track not done? It doesn't happen that often. But when I'm in that situation, I just say, put on my to-do list, spend this day trying to do more to this track. But I save as, so it's a new version. And if I try a bunch of stuff and, and it still, it sounds worse or I'm not really getting anywhere, then I'm like, okay, cool, it's done. I love the idea that you're talking about of when it comes to peak efficiency and being able to get things done in a timely manner as fast as, pos- as fast as possible, yet as high quality as possible. You're talking about this concept of setting proper goals with getting those things done as fast and as efficient as possible. So for example, you said that instead of saying, you know, setting aside an hour and it says, complete such and such in an hour, right? If people go into it with that kind of mindset, just from my personal experience, from what you have saying, from everything that I've studied about goal setting, that is one of the worst things that you can do. It's just yeah. going to leave you discouraged and then you're not going to get things yeah, you're faster. Yeah, you so scared. Exactly. Much, much better way of saying it is work on coming up with concepts for an hour. Work on mixing for an hour. Work on mixing such and such for an hour, right? There's no, there's no, you know, there's, there, there's one way that you accomplish that. Yeah. You do it for an hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if you're like half dead, you can still do that. You can still be like, uh, uh, and get nothing done. And you're like, cool. I did a still, this still did great. It, still it did feels it. so doable. That You're absolutely right. And that's, I have studied a lot about goal setting, what works and what doesn't. But the more, the strategy that you're using right now is you're getting so hyper-specific with the goal that you're trying to do, which makes it easier. So for example, if I said, uh, if I said I want to make a goal to go to the gym more, it's not specific. It's going to suck. I'm going to, you know, like, how do I do that? You know, how do yeah. I, what, how do you define as more? Twice a week, three times a week, four times a week, just a little bit more than what I'm doing right now, more than the guy next door. Like, what is that? Right. However, a much better goal would be like, I'm going to go to the gym Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. When I get done with work, go mm-hmm. straight there. Much more specific, much, and then, and then you're held accountable. It's the same thing that we're talking about here. Instead of saying, I need, I'm going to make a goal to work on my song more. It's a terrible thing to do. It's an awful thing to do. You're just going to leave yourself discouraged because there's no real way to track that. Right. And also planning takes a lot of mental energy. Yeah. So if you can take the planning out of the equation, it's so much easier to have the mental energy to actually get it done, uh, which is why I plan out every little detail of what I need to do to finish an album so that I'm not sitting there going, 
Uh, what should I do next? Yeah. Um, I guess just work on something generally. Uh, I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. Instead, it is like I can, t- I can see exactly what I need to get done. And because I can see all of it, I can have a pretty good estimate of how long that's going to take me to do. It, and it's not about necessarily doing things as fast as possible. It's not about being, you know, just getting it done quicker than other people do. If it takes you four years to make an album, that's fine. But the idea is to not lose steam. Not you. The the thing you really want to avoid, and that is just so tragic when you get into it and so hard to get out of, is when you lose steam on a project. And then, yeah, everything becomes blurry. Everything becomes, you just, like I said, you've heard it too many times. You're just like, ugh. And then you're not working on it for so long because you're just overwhelmed by it. That's what sucks. That's what I try to avoid at all costs is losing steam. If it takes a long time to finish something, that's totally fine as long as I'm consistently working on it. But when you stop, when you uh, don't have a, a clear path forward for it, when you don't have a clear idea for what it would even be like when it's finished, that's that's what really starts to give you issues. That makes sense because if you start working on something and you're very passionate about it, right? You're super stoked about it. Like, this is the pure embodiment. This is the auditory version of my soul. And then you lose steam because of it. That if when you lose steam on something like that, and we, we all know what that's like, right? To be working on something where like this is this is it. This is what I I know. This is like my soul in a song. However, life gets in the way, frustrations get in the way, complications get in the way, all of a sudden you lose steam. And you, it's just like, do I even really want to work on this anymore? It doesn't feel special yeah. anymore. And that's a tragedy because if you felt that way in the beginning, that's like, that's a, that's a signal from, from within saying, this, this is something, this yeah. is something you need to do. But when you lose steam, all of a sudden you're very tempted to leave that to the side. Totally. Which is terrible. That's terrible. Yeah, because- terrible idea. You learn, I mean, even if what you're making is terrible, you learn 10 times more from something that's terrible that you finish than something that is amazing that just sits, you know, in in your computer. Every album that I've released, I have at some point been at the place where I'm like, I think this is complete garbage, actually. I think this is terrible. I don't know what I ever saw in this music. And then every single time you know, however long it takes, six months later, once it's released, something like that, I'm hearing it again and I'm like, oh man, this is good. You know, it, it just, you go up and down with it emotionally. You really almost have to just like commit to, to uh, material or at least commit to releases. Like I never commit to individual songs, but I'm committed to an album and I'm writing 30 songs so that I know that out of those 30, there will be 10 of them that I can commit to you're still committed to a final product, even if it's not. You don't want to get it stuck on one song that you just can't get anywhere with, and then you just stay stuck for a super long time, or, or one that's just not working, but you're like, I already committed to it. But you do want to commit to releasing something and, and getting to that end point. Um, because if you don't, then you, you could very well end up just putting off, putting it off, putting it off, and never getting stuff out there when... You might get three years down the road and you're only just finally releasing the stuff that you've made. Whereas if you had just been releasing things and just getting things done, you'd be four times as good as you are because you would have, you would have been an artist that has released 20 songs versus an artist that has not released anything. Like, 
you can definitely say that an artist that has finished and released 20 songs is probably, you know, more experienced and a bit better at knowing his system and how to do things than somebody who has released nothing. And yet I see a lot of artists making that mistake of just taking so long, making things, not thinking they're good enough, making other things, not thinking they're good enough, never releasing anything, never fully finishing any tracks, like for never really finishing anything proper enough for releases. And, um, I think it really stunts people's growth artistically and totally takes away your momentum. Like when you have been releasing things, getting that behind you, moving on to the next thing, you feel the sense of speed building up. And when you just have a bunch of stuff you're sitting on, you just feel so stuck. I see, but I agree with what you're saying. And I see, the way that I see it is that there's your career, your life, relationship with someone. Uh, whatever it is, right? I see it as this giant jigsaw puzzle. And there's so many things that you can do to add to the jigsaw puzzle. You can go take this course, boom, there's a jigsaw puzzle. You can go learn from someone, take the mentorship, boom, learn from this person. You can, you know, as you're playing around in the DAW or you're doing this or that or reading a book or whatever, jigsaw puzzle. But I feel like there's these certain jigsaw pieces that is like, they're completely blocked off. They're just like, you. there's no other way to fill this, jig, this jigsaw puzzle piece except from, or, or unless you release, unless you put it out there, unless you finish something, right? And then from that, you learn things. And that is the only way you can get mm. that piece, yeah. piece into there. I have this, this philosophy in my life. It's, it's this concept of dependency. Do you know what a dependency is when I say that? It's kind of an open-ended term, but do you know what, a, in a general sense, what a dependency is? Mm, I don't think so. So a dependency is something that it really just depends on the situation. For example, right? A dependency is something that is dependent upon you. For it to keep going, it is just dependent upon you, okay? So for example, you and I have talked about this. I, If you have children, I don't think it's right to bring more children in until you feel like you have it down packed with the children mm. that you already have, right? A dependency, taking care of your dependencies means that what is oh, the- Like on the tax form, <clears throat> dependent. Oh yeah, I guess, yeah, I yeah. guess that's true, yeah. It's like the 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 base work, the 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 least amount of work possible that allows you to keep moving at the current momentum that you have, not decreasing, not increasing, just going forward, right? And I feel like tying this into what we're talking about, which is releasing songs, not moving on until you finish what you've started, right? Is that whenever you start a song, it now becomes a dependency, and until you finish that song, it will mm. always stay a dependency. What the trouble that people, yeah. the, the trouble that people run into is that they create this dependency, and they never take care of it. They never finish it. And then so they go, great, another dependency, and another dependency. Yeah. All of a sudden, they have 30 dependencies that they need to finish, but they never finish them. And they're just stacking up, and it's causing a whole bunch of stress for everyone involved, especially themselves. And so the way that you take care of that is focus on one dependency. Take mm -hmm. care of it. Done. Move on. Now you get your new dependency. Done. Move on. And from doing that, that's going to allow you to take those jigsaw pieces. Oh, oh dude, yeah. This dependency gave me this. It sucked. It was a terrible experience, but I learned some things. Mm. Boom. Oh, this one was a little bit better. Still sucked, but boom. Okay, it's, it's actually getting a lot better now, but you know, and so on and so forth. That's my idea with dependencies is that you never move on until you finish what you started. So would you say every track that you start, you should finish? It's a good question. Because sometimes... Yeah, yeah, that's a good theory. Every single one, because not every single one is actually going to be. Because I guess, yeah, how 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 do you how do you find that balance? Well, for me, I 
I would I certainly would not finish every track I start because mm-hmm. I'm start I'm throwing a lot of paint against the wall and seeing what a lot of things against the oh. wall and seeing what sticks. For me, the dependency would be the album. It wouldn't be each any individual track. It would be getting enough tracks done for an album. And then there are, you know, 20, 25 tracks left over that I never finish. And I they they were just the the casualty of finding the track that I did want to right. finish. Okay. So that actually makes a lot more sense. Let me alter my answer a little bit. As long as you have the system that we are currently teaching inside of this masterclass. I feel like that gives you a pretty clear path on what a dependency is, what a not right, a dependency, yeah. right? Because really what a dependency comes to is some body of work, right? You're working towards a body of work. You know you need X amount to finish the body of work. Mm-hmm. Then from the 30 songs and 30 days that you were creating, all of a sudden you're going to be able to, from there, take those, you know, portion of those songs and have them become dependencies for mm-hmm. your dependency, if that makes sense. So that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, because like out of the 30 days, right, you you will probably never finish the 13th commandment and no one is going, <laughs> and nobody is going to yeah. tell you that you need to finish the 13th yeah. commandment, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Some people might. It's pretty good. No, yeah. but that's fine. <laughs> but, but it's still that concept, right? So that's, that's still, that's still a good point, right? What I, what I, what I ultimately want people to avoid is Start a song, get 60% done, and be like, yeah. you lose steam and then you move on. You lose steam and you move on. You lose steam and you move on, right? So I guess as long as you have some type of really strong emotional connection to the song that you're working on, even if it's just a little bit at the start, that's to me, that sounds like a sign that it needs to be a dependency. If you're working on something and it never gives you that strong emotional connection, then I don't think it should be a dependency, right? Mm-hmm. So we've all done that. We've all created songs where like, like, all right, listen, I've given it five hours and it's still like, I'm not really feeling anything, so... At that point, I don't know yeah. if you have the need to finish it. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think there are definitely some situations where this is not the case, but generally it's like if I'm writing this 30-day song-a-day period, I have 10, 10 dependency slots available, or however many, 10 to 12, mm-hmm. 8 to 12, really. Mm-hmm. And if there are too many for those, they're going to get put on the back burner and... By the time I'm done finishing all of those, they'll most likely be too old for me to finish. They'll be just an old writing style, an old mm-hmm. production style, and I just have to come to terms with that and be okay with that. I mean, there are lots of tracks that are awesome, and then I'm like, I love this track, but it just never, it just never happened. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, I feel like it's almost like relationships. There, maybe it's easy to think back and have some people that are like. Oh, one that got away or oh I should have been friends with that person or whatever but you just have to like move on with a gentle ruthlessness as (laughs) I love the quote I love says I don't even know I don't I don't think I ever found out who said that you have to move on from certain periods in your life with a sort of gentle ruthlessness I think you have to move on from certain tracks and dependencies in your life with a sort of gentle ruthlessness too but with the knowledge that you're doing it for these other dependencies, you know, I'm doing this so that I can finish this album, not just because I'm tired of this and can't deal with it. What's up, Nation? I hope you enjoyed that little segment from module three inside of the Cryo Masterclass. And if you did, if it really resonated with you and you want more, you're craving more, you're like, yes, that was a nice little taste, but I really, really want more. And you want seven extra bonuses that we are offering 
then listen, head on over to donation.net slash crywolf masterclass. Again, we're having this sell, this 40% off sell, right? For specifically for Halloween. Um, but it is only going on until midnight tonight. Now, if you are listening to this episode well into the future, okay, like Halloween is well past, right? Don't worry. That's fine. You can still join the Cryoff Masterclass. I just head over to donation.net. You can find it over there. But unfortunately, the sell will be over at that point. But if you are listening to this on Halloween, on the day this episode comes out, head on over to donation.net slash Cryoff Masterclass and you can claim your discount right now. Now listen, Donation, I hope you really enjoy this episode. And again, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, this was part three. So if you haven't listened to part two or part one yet, I highly encourage you to do so. There's absolutely amazing gems inside there all has to do with the cry off masterclass but all are things that you can listen to and that you can learn you start applying to your music career right here right now okay but don nation hopefully you've been well i have so many episodes coming for you guys okay i know this last year there has definitely been a shortage of episodes for both in the dot and behind the dot and i apologize for that we overloaded ourselves with so much work and so many commitments that needed to be done and unfortunately we had to really really slow down the amount of episodes that we are putting out the good news is, is that at the beginning of 2022, we have so, so many episodes that are coming serious. I'm literally sitting on like a metric ton of episodes and they're all amazing. And they're with some of the best artists and we have so many new series and so many, oh my gosh, Donation, like it's, it's absolutely insane. So but Donation, I just want to let you guys know that I love you. I sacrifice so much time and so much energy creating these courses, creating these episodes specifically to help you, to see you progress, to see you become the producers and the songwriters and singers and sound designers and any other variation of those words uh, that you can be because I know that you have a message to bring to the world, right? My mission is to help you guys do that, okay? That is what I'm called to do. That's what I want to help you do, okay? So I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing my job and watch you flourish and become the music producers, the musicians, the singers, the songwriters that you are meant to. To be. So with that being said, Donation, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you did, make sure to head on over to donation.net slash cryoffmasterclass to claim that 40% discount before midnight tonight. Okay. And also, if you enjoyed this episode, please go share it with someone, right? If this really helped you, it could probably help someone else, specifically someone in your life. Okay. Go share it with them. But with that being said, Donation, I will see you on the next episode. <laughs>